106.9. Well, welcome to the Sansbury Show on Rock 106.9. Ask Antonio say, dude, 7 o'clock. Press refresh. Give me the show open. Rip the piece of paper off. We're starting over. <laughs> I have had, honestly, Fanta will tell you, dude, if you could have a bad start to a day, I've had it. And I apologize, and I would like for this Thursday to go as well for all of us. So we're just going to start over. Here Although, we go. I am going to reference something that we already did. Okay. Right? All right. So we talked a, a little, uh, The Rock and Vin Diesel can't get along on this press tour for uh, whatever the new Furious movie is. Yeah. That we're still driving Stealing fast. money from you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're still taking money out of your pockets. Yeah. We're furiously ripping you <laughs> off. Yeah, that movie, right? All right, people, uh, Walker. So they can't, you know, and, and we were talking about The Rock, and I was, the, you know, the highest paid, you know, actor in the world right. now, and I said, right. you know, it's really weird when you think about where he started from, the movies, you know, he was in, like, The Pacifier, and then, you know, he did that, you know, I'm the Tooth Fairy movie, and I was like, you know, and I made the analogy that Tom Hanks, much like The Rock, I don't think would be caught dead in any of the stuff he did in the 80s, and I had forgotten some of the big Tom Hanks stuff, so people started, like, tweeting in all their, he's like, you know, you know, Chris says, like, let's not forget about Bosom Buddies. Yeah. Bosom yeah. Buddies, which honestly can't believe that in today's day and age of transgender and all that stuff, they haven't found a way to like rework that into a new product right. for today. Seems about time, right? Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. They're Bosom Buddies. They're living in a building looking like women together. Yeah, how have they not done that? I, I, I can't right. imagine that's not a thing. And then Jay uh, writes in and says, dude, what about Turner and Hooch? Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Now, here's the thing. Turner and Hooch was a good one. I loved Turner and Hooch. I believe I wore out a VHS copy. <laughs> if you don't know what VHS is, look on Wikipedia, kids. There's, uh, but uh, yeah, I wore out a VHS tape of Turner and Hooch. I like that movie. No, it's a great one. There's no doubt. But uh, but would Tom Hanks do Turner and Hooch again? Probably. Hey, not. Tom Hanks, we're gonna do a movie with you and a dog. In the dog, you know like, what I'm bitch, saying? I just like, landed no. a plane on the river. Right? I'm not. I'm not doing that. Which solely was pretty good, by the I'm way. I'm not doing. Tom that. Hanks actually do most of what that guy does is all right. Like most of what it, like the stuff he does, like Road to Perdition was really good. Bridge of Spies was really good. Tom Hanks is one of those actors you'll see him on Facebook every now and then, and it's like, oh my god, Tom Hanks, he's moving to Green, Ohio. Can you believe it? And it's like, no, because that's not really happening. <laughs> like, no, that's not going to happen at all. Can you believe it? <laughs> so, um, I, I I do got to give a a coworker a little bit of credit. Okay, one of our coworkers down the hall, yeah, said. Came into the studio and said, man, so apparently you've had a morning. <laughs> I said, yeah. And she goes, well, I'm going to run out and grab Starbucks. What would you like? And I was like, oh, thank the dear Lord. So yeah. so nicely, I and I get, look at me, go pat myself on the back. I actually gave, she was going to buy Starbucks, and I actually gave her my Starbucks card. I said, hey, look, there should be money left on this. I'll You fly, I'll like halfway buy you, might have to throw in a dollar or two here. Everybody tell Stansbury he's a good guy. Everybody tweet That's in, it. Facebook That's message it. in, send in emails. Stansbury, you're a good guy. We all like you, and things are going to go fine. Well, I've had a rough, <laughs> rough morning. I would have thought, here's the thing, my mother, right? Like right. She's Wait. In, Right. She's in town four days and it's the day she leaves everything falls apart. Is it is it is it is this little like self sabotaging behavior here? You know she's around and it's driving you crazy, therefore you're letting every other little thing to, you know run you off the wall. I wish she would have made me crazy, honestly. It would have made right. for four easy shows. Right. But she honestly she was nothing but like pleasant the entire time she was here. I can't and, believe it. And now everybody's stuck listening to my takes on John Cena. Like, come on. Yeah, a guy actually wrote it. He goes, you're not going to play Pitbull all day for WrestleMania the way you guys did shine down for that announcement, right? I was like, no, no, no. no. but Pitbull and Flo Rida will be there. They'll be doing their Are they thing. performing live at the performing WrestleMania? Performing live at WrestleMania. It's like the iHeartRadio yes. Music Awards. Once-in-a-lifetime experience. 
Except it'll happen again next year. Don't 50 worry. times in a row. <laughs> Uh, head of football operations, Sashi Brown for the Cleveland Browns there, yeah. uh, said that, uh, let me see what the quote is. He called Josh Gordon, this is a quote from Sashi Brown, a talent I think no team in the NFL would turn down if he got back in. Now, I understand that, right? Because when the problems are marijuana and the talent is Josh Gordon, I can understand teams going, you know what, let's take the risk here. But if I were in charge of the Cleveland Browns, I think I'd tell them, no thanks. And you got to know that when you do that, that there's a very good possibility he ends up on another team, possibly a rival, and he's going to perform, and he's going to play well. But you have to be okay with it. But he has smacked us in the face enough times to where I understand another team in the league wanting to take a shot because he did have freakish talent. But I don't think it should be us anymore. Um, I know a big part of this came from a tweet that Josh Gordon put out, and the dude is Jack Swole right now, dude. Just huge, like just muscles on top of muscles. So everyone saw that picture yeah. and was like, oh my God, dude, Josh Gordon at the number one? Dude, we got, we got a freak of nature like that out there? Um, Now... I understand why, as a Browns fan, there's you know a little bit of uh, hesitation to give Josh Gordon the benefit of the doubt. But regardless of what team we're looking at this from, the issue here isn't marijuana. Now, granted, he was he was suspended multiple times for marijuana. The, yes, I see what you're saying, but you don't care about that individual. It's not like you're like, oh, Josh Gordon's ruining his life with weed. The thing, the, the problem is, is that Josh Gordon's unavailable. If Josh Gordon was smoking blunts right before the game and still scoring touchdowns, you don't give a damn. You don't give a damn. So it's not weed. It's, it's not the drug. It's his... Yeah, you're right. He's not available to play. It's his decision making. It's his It's his blatant lack of respect for the position that he's in. That's what would make me hesitate with him. I mean, who cares? Smoke all the pot you want to, bro. If, if But you know, as an NFL player, you're not able to do that. Now, which one's worth more? What's worth more to you? Smoking dope or being an NFL player? And if you're saying it's smoking dope, I don't want you anywhere near my team. NFL spokesman said Wednesday the league has no comment on Gordon's status. Now that's what the league does. The league will stay kind of buttoned up, of tight-lipped on that. Of Gordon, 25, missed 43 of the past 48 games because of reoccurring violation of the league's substance abuse policy. Has not appeared, fans don't listen to this, has not appeared in a regular season game since December 21st, 2014. Now, Dude, that's a long time to be away from football. You can look at that in two ways. Number one, less miles on the guy's legs, so maybe you have a longer window open okay, in front of you. Okay, I would have thought about that, but, but yeah, maybe. But, but, dude, you've been away from the game for that long. You've been away from the culture for that long. I mean, he's in shape, and he's working out, and he's, but here's the thing. It's about the hitting, right? Like, how do you get ready for that? Like, the constant, just your body, your ribs, just being hit by big men taking you to the ground. Yeah, the toughness is a part of it. I think I think being around NFL coaches and, and NFL style of offenses and being able to soak in football knowledge like that. I mean, how many dudes are freak athletes but not able to be pro athletes? There's dudes all across America right now who are, are huge. Dudes, dudes are huge who are, able to, who, who, who are able to lift a ton of weights, have very impressive physiques, but not able to translate that into, into you know pro success or even getting a shot at it.
So I don't think just because Josh Gordon's lifting weights and, and doing yoga and staying in shape necessarily means he's still ready to play NFL football. You haven't you haven't been coached in two years. How are you supposed to? Well, dude, he played for us. It's been longer than that. Right. I mean, you <laughs> haven't you haven't. Everyone always talks about, well, boy, what a big leap it is from college offense to the professional offense. Like, what a boy, game right. so much Usually faster. Different game. Right. So when you take that game away from you, I, I have to, you know, you have to make the assumption you're going to lose some of that mental capacity. You're going to lose some of that knowledge of football. You're going to lose some of that practice. So I don't know if Josh Gordon would even come back and be the Josh Gordon that he was. I think Josh Gordon at 75% of what he was is still probably going to be pretty good. Best I don't, player on the Browns. I don't know if he'll be 75% of what he was, but I think even at that level, he would still be pretty good. Um, you know, Jay brings up an interesting point. He says, bring him back, throw him the ball, build value, then unload him. He's not a big cap hit. Fair. Yeah, I mean, that's a, there's definitely some some logical points in that. I don't know if that's the system I would use. I kind of like what Hugh said back on September the 30th, which is, um, I'm quoting Hugh Jackson here, I think what we need to do is just close that chapter right now. That was Browns coach Hugh Jackson, September 30th. He went on to say he's doing what he needs to do, and we need to do what we need to do, which is continue to move forward. And I agree. I think right now, I think Jay brings up an excellent point, but for me, I've been spit in the face by this kid a couple of times now, and... I'm not going to worry about the fact that if I don't take him back, that somebody's going to, and he's going to produce. I can't be worried about that. I got to be worried about the other like 50-some guys in my locker room and getting them on the same page to fight together. Right. I mean, if you go into your new relationship just hoping that your ex is a miserable bitch, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not going to turn out well for you in your new relationship. It's just not. Um all right, Josh Gordon, a five-time drug test failure, I think, is if, 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 if memory serves there. Yeah, I think you might be right five about Five times? Does the NFL, are they crazy for even letting him back in? I mean, why would you let the guy back in? He has a blatant disrespect for your rules. Yeah, I mean, at some point, if you're the NFL, I think what you got to do is you got to come up with a number and says, look, you can fail a drug test, right? People make mistakes. Sure. I'm all about redemption. Sure. I've made a mistake in my life. It has... And I have redeemed myself since, so I believe it can happen for other people, right? But at some point, you're just showing a lack of respect for the rule. And if I were the NFL, I would maybe look at, you know what, you failed this test three times, three-strike rule, we're probably done. I don't think it's too much to ask. No, dude. Putting the blunts down for millions of dollars is not too much I mean, to ask. It's not. It's not. We, we, you know, we're both pretty open about the fact that you know occasionally we'll use marijuana as a product. And if my boss came to me t- tomorrow and said, "Look, I'm just telling you right now, man, you're going to be randomly drug tested throughout the next two years of this contract. We catch you, and you're done." I would just become an alcoholic. <laughs> We'll be right back with more Sansbury Show and see their tickets for you. Oh, those are up for grabs next on Rock 106.9. On Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sansbury Show on Rock 106.9. Today's a good day. If you're looking for a job, Gervasi Vineyard and the Twisted Olive both looking to hire some summer positions. Servers, bartenders, busters, hostesses, cooks, dishwashers, grounds crew, maintenance, and those villa room attendants. Now, here's what's going on. Gervasi today from 5 to 7 this afternoon is going to hold on-the-spot interviews. Now, you can head online and put an application in before those on-the-spot interviews. That's what I would do. They strongly recommend that. Visit GervasiVineyard.com to make that application. 
And then if you can't make it out today, the Twisted Olive is going to do their on-the-spot interviews April 5th from 1 to 4, and then Thursday, April 6th from 3 to 6. So uh, some jobs out there. A lot of people always ask, you know, man, I kind of need a new job. Who's hiring? Well, Gervasi and the Twisted Olive is who's hiring. Are they hiring a new morning show? I don't know if we should put it in our papers or what. Should we do this? GervasiVineyard.com. You know, we were talking about the Browns before the break, and, uh, you know, somebody said, let's just get the whole band back together. Let's grab Jonathan, meaning Manziel. <laughs> Jonathan Manziel. Get, get Gordon out there. Uh, look, I will admit, that would be a spectacle, but I don't want it. I don't want it. So, apparently now, um, there's going to be, well, at least we're proposing a change to some handgun rules in Ohio. Okay. Now, I don't have my concealed carry yet. We're working with a couple of different clients about uh, m- me maybe doing like an endorsement deal with somebody and, and, you know, and making that thing happen. And I hope to do that. I would like to be a concealed carry holder and I would like to buy a handgun for my apartment. And I didn't, so I didn't know this law as of yet. But when you get pulled over as of right now, it's your responsibility to tell the officer, like, immediately, I'm a concealed carry holder, there's a weapon in the car. Which is the responsible thing to do, Doesn't right? Doesn't necessarily seem crazy to me to have somebody do that. Now, if you're not a CCW holder, let's say you're carrying a shotgun or you're carrying a pistol or you're carrying something like that, I, I would even think in that situation, just as a responsible gun owner, CCW or not, I think you, you, you'd you want to tell the police officer, hey, I have a weapon on me. Because let's be real, the last thing you want to happen is, you know... You, you cold shoulder the cop or whatever, and he starts patting you down, finds that gun, finds the gun. Or searches the car, finds that gun. That's going to escalate the situation. Now it seems like you're hiding it from it. Right. The, they say that the warning is required of every concealed handgun license holder stopped by a police officer in Ohio. Failure to notify police promptly can result in a six-month suspension of your weapon license and a misdemeanor. Now, if you're a CCW holder, you don't want that suspended. No. And my best guess is is that then they start to like reevaluate you when you like to go to buy. If this, has this happened more than once? What's going on? I would think. I don't know. Again, I haven't been through the classes yet. But now... Several Republican lawmakers are looking to eliminate that requirement when you get pulled over. Now, they claim that the current law is vague and arbitrarily enforced. Now, they give you an example here, okay? Okay. And they say that a driver, this apparently did happen, a driver involved in a crash told three police officers on the scene when they showed up that he had a concealed handgun license, but he was... In fact, cited for failing to tell the fourth officer who arrived afterwards. Now, that was Scott Wiggum, Representative uh, Scott Wiggum, Republican out of Worcester, who introduced this bill. Uh, now, listen. In now, th- that does seem a little crazy. In those circumstances, yes, but that isn't that isn't the intent of this bill. Yes, in those circumstances, maybe a, a revision that says, you know, you have to tell the first officer that you have on the scene because you're right. Getting I'm not, rid of the rule isn't the right thing to after do. After a car crash, dude, you got seven cop cars coming up trying to <gasps> Did clear. Did I tell you? Did I tell you? You know, yeah, you're dealing with what was just a terrible right. situation and, and, you know, they're trying to clear, you know, road hazards out of the way and all these different things. And, yeah, I can see how that's a problem. But like I said... I mean, that's not the intent of the law. That's not what that's there for. So that's a revision, not a, 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 a you know, take it off the table. An erasure, right. right. He says here, Scott, uh, yeah, Scott Wiggum, Republican, said there's no duty to promptly notify for anything else. People who hold concealed weapon licenses are great citizens in society. 
they and, and I would agree that a lot of them are going to be great. So you can't make the claim that all of them are. Right, that's like stupid, dude. No, no, no group of anybody's great. That's great, dude. Right. Come on, hey, dude. Hey, how many people have a CCW? An f ton of them, and there's some crappy people yeah. in that group. Dude, Absolutely, God, that's 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 ridiculous. Now, to say. I, and some of that's Good just people. you know him being a politician. So I get it, but I don't. The concealed carry members that I know, like my buddy's got a concealed carry. And he, I, I guarantee you, if he got pulled over by police tonight and he keeps his gun in the car or with him or whatever, I guarantee you he would see no issue with having to tell the police officer he had it. Now, you start talking, well, I told these three and then that fourth one. Like, at once I tell one cop, in my opinion, it's kind of his job to make sure the rest of them know. Probably enough. Right? To, yeah, that's, that's... Like, I told him. What are, you, what are you arresting me for? I told him. And so the, apparently there are similar mandates are in just eight states, including Michigan, Washington, D.C. In most places, drivers must tell police they have a concealed handgun license only if asked. I, I don't have a problem having to tell them up front. I want cops to be safe. And if that's going to help cops be safe, and I would imagine it probably does help cops be safe, then tell the cop you have a gun. Um, over 500,000 CCW carriers in Ohio last year. Jeez, about that's four, a lot. About 4 million people live in Ohio. So a decent chunk of the population. Yeah, that's that's a lot. A, a, a decent chunk of the population has you know, you a CCW. Think about it, because in that 4 million people, there's going to be a huge group that are too old to, Senior to be citizens, handling the kids. weapons and too young to be handling the weapons. So right. when you make that 500,000, you take those two groups of people out that is a lot of people that's a decent chunk of people yeah. and that's a that's a record high from 2016 that's the, the the most that's ever had a ccw in ohio um i'm i i i'm on i'm on the side with you where i feel like no this is kind of common sense gun law which is what i really look for in this country is like all right is this truly making you know easier for police yes so i i, I see how this makes sense and is it in is it infringing on the rights in a in a in a serious way of any of any second amendmenter no so i don't see but the second amendmenter the person the the gun right nut is going to make the argument of I, I, it's the Second Amendment. I don't have to tell you anything. It's 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 my right as an American citizen to carry this gun with me, and I don't have to tell you anything. I didn't break the law. Yeah, I, I get the cops. Cops just can't come knocking up on your door like, "Hey, did you break any laws today? Let me see what you got." You know what I mean? What you do in there? And I'm a CCW holder. I have my permit. I have my gun holstered. I have I have everything that I need to do. I don't have to tell you anything. It's my right, and that's all you need as an American is a right to do it. Yeah, I mean, and I hate when people use this term, but you start moving stuff around the board like this, it does become a slippery slope. And and then, the, you know, because what happens is, is we stop paying attention, and then laws that are similar to this start getting passed, and then it's like, wait a minute, I didn't even know I had to do that. Now, it says here, and I'm reading from WKYC.com, that an officer can run a license plate and find out if the person to whom the car is registered has a permit for a concealed weapon. Now, this is... Not going to be the norm, but there are going to be times where, like, Fantone would drive my car. Right. Right. You know you, your mean? wife, your girlfriend, so you know, you, you let someone borrow your car. I kind of like, you know, the driver having to tell somebody. Um, and but and let's be real. Just because you are a, a a CCW holder doesn't mean you're holding at that moment. Doesn't mean you have your gun with you. I mean, you can make the assumption, but that doesn't make it fact. So, like, okay, now you ran ran my plates. Now you know I have a CCW, but that has nothing to do with do I have that gun? Do on I have me the right gun now? right now? And am I legally and responsibly using that gun, having that gun with me? And because my answer was going to be endorse it on the driver's license the way you do like a motorcycle license. Uh, 
God. Now you're putting now you're putting all that into another da- database of the government, another way to track you as a gun owner, dude. Second Amendmenters aren't going to like that at all. Not not at all. You're putting that out there. It, it's on your your identification. What would be the problem with that? Because people don't feel, people. If people want to be private with their guns, they feel they have the right to be. I mean, that's it's it's not it's not. You have to. Yeah, but Second I mean, Amendment's not. Hey, you have to tell everybody what guns you have. Yeah, but you have to apply for the license anyway. You're already in that database. It's really going to stop you. I don't see what the problem with just putting an endorsement on the driver's license is, would be. Is you're further impeding my rights to be a, a, a gun carrier. You're putting more stipulations. You're putting more regulations on my right as an American to carry a gun. You know, Jay says this, and I think he's right. Telling cops you have a weapon is just common sense. Of course, of course. I think it is. Whether this is or is not law, if you have a weapon and a cop stops you, tell that cop. Dude, I'm talking knife. I'm talking gun. I'm talking, I do. You, you got a baseball bat in the back of your tr- car. You should tell the cop. Yeah, honestly, whether it was a law or not, if I got pulled over, I would say, just so you know, I am lawfully carrying a gun, but I want you to know that up front. Because I think what that does, I personally think, and maybe I'm way wrong here, and I know there's going to be exceptions to the rule and people will you know, use this to like lull a cop into security. But my take is, if I tell the cop I have that weapon, I'm now saying I have no interest in using this weapon on you. Saying that, you know what I mean. I mean, I get that people you, will look to exploit that. You're gonna have to. Obviously, every cop though has to live on the edge every moment. They know that's a possibility. Remember, I can't remember what the guy's name was, but this was a story. I feel like last year that the, that that a guy got shot by a cop as he told him, "Hey, I'm a CCW carrier and I've got my gun with me." And then the shot, he was sitting passenger oh, seat, yeah. and wasn't his girlfriend Facebook living it or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Facebook lived it. Yeah, got shot by the cop for telling him, "Hey, I've got my CCW, I've got my gun on me," and. Dude, the dude ends up dead. Like, I'm looking at my driver's license right now. And once I get over how much I weigh, I look <laughs> over and it says here, it tells them what sex you are, your height, your weight, you know, your eyes, your hair. And then, like, above that, though, where, like, right next to where it expires, it says class of what kind of class of license you have. And, I, you know, I have mine or whatever. And then you have this endorsement over here, which is where motorcycle licenses and stuff goes. How, like, how could just like putting a G there? Like, okay, you're you know you're a concealed carry. I, I don't under, I, I don't see an issue. I understand you're right. Second Amendmenters are gonna go crazy, okay? But I'm a pro gun person that doesn't understand why this is gonna make you go crazy. You're already in a database. You are right. They will freak out, but that's what they do. That's what they do. Oh, stars and bars after all my stuff. That's what the Second Amendmenters do. So, but I don't think that them freaking out is a good enough reason not to do stuff that makes sense. Now, I don't know if my plan does enough. You know what I mean? I don't know if that does enough for this, but I think it is crazy. If a guy got pulled over after being into or, uh, you know, cited for an accident, told three cops, didn't tell the fourth, and then they cited him for that, that's you looking to charge this guy money. Got to be a weird place for GOPers right now, for people who, who, who so, you know, adamantly defend police in situations and so adamantly stand up for their gun rights. It's like, well, where, where do I sit on this one? Now, I, I don't know if this is true, but I'm being told. That that story ended up being proved false, and that 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 guy we referenced had actually never been issued a CCW. Now that's coming from the audience. I don't know right. if that's true or not. I don't remember every detail of that story as it was almost about a year ago now. I believe it was it was over four or five months ago. I um, but yeah, I just I like full disclosure. And if I ever if I feel if there's anything a cop needs to know when he pulls me over, I tell him. Because I want them at ease. Because the more tense they are, the worse that situation's going to go. And just so you know, 
it's their job to be suspicious of you. It is like that's part of it. It's like a little bit. Now it doesn't mean they have to be rough yeah, with it's, you. It's my right to have a gun. It's right. Their job to do what they have to do. It's, but it's, it's my right to have a gun. It's your right to have a gun, but it is their job to be suspicious of us because well they're in they're policing us. So they're supposed to be a little suspicious of you. But I don't have a problem. I, I think at the end of the day, I'm like you. I want reasonable, sensible gun laws. Like, yes, I want you to be able to have a gun. And should you be able to carry it? Yes. But I but you know, this whole you don't get to tell me anything, my free country is like you gotta give to get. Like I always used to tell my boss about the radio station. Bro, you're never going to get these people to do what you want to do. You gotta give to get. And just like this, you have to give to get. And I have no problem telling an officer when he pulls me over, I am a CCW holder, my weapon is in the glove box or wherever it should be. Like I have no problem with with doing that. I want safe cops. That's what I want. More Stansberry show right around the corner. Also see their tickets up for grabs. Hang on. It was written before streetlights. You know, let alone organized police force. Yeah, but dude, now, now like, I mean, now listen, I'm not, I'm not arguing with you from my perspective. I'm just saying from a Second Amendment's perspective, Constitution is perfect, dude. Perfect, eh, perfect. Nothing's perfect. That's why they made. That's why they left Jesus. room, dude. The, there's nothing perfect, especially the Constitution. That's why they left room for amendments so it could be amended because it, they knew it wasn't perfect. It, the framers of that thing knew they didn't nail it. Now you're going to hear people make the same argument of, well, dude, that you know, streetlights weren't invented, let alone semi-automatic weapons and and, and weapons of war available to people of of you know so yeah listen i agree with you i'm just saying there's a lot of argument there for people who aren't agreeing with you i and i have long said look i i agree that you should have guns right you should be able to own a weapon as you can it seems like that's and it is that's like one of those american things right and so i'm all for it but that doesn't mean that you just get to be like well i get to have it and you can't restrict me at all it's like nah dude like dude there's a lot of us here Right? So we're going to, at some point, we're going to have to be common sense about some stuff. Doesn't mean we have to have every gun law there is, but it doesn't mean that we don't have to have any either. There, there is a common sense middle ground here. And I don't care what anybody says. And I've long said this. I want you to be able to have your gun. I want less dead kids in schools. And if, no, and if somebody can't figure out why that's okay, then that's on you. And then honestly, then this isn't the program for you. Because I believe you should have your gun, but we, but there's, there do need to be protections in place to help make sure people are safe. I don't want to infringe on your rights, but, but letting you just willy nilly carry the gun is infringing on somebody else's rights in some regard. So we got to figure out how we all stay here in this country that we love in harmony. And it's going to take some giving on both sides to do it. But that's the problem is people go, no, Second Amendment. Or then the people go, no, look, America's got the most gun murders ever. And then you just get caught in the meme war with half facts and then nothing ever gets done. Because nobody wants to admit that somebody who you disagree with might be smart and might have a good idea. In in that regard, it makes um, me crazy. Somebody somebody tweeted in and mentioned that you know the case that I was referring to was false. Yes, and the officer in that case goes to trial April fourth. So I don't know if it's necessarily false. Well, I mean, he would go to trial whether he shot him, whether he had a CCW or not, right? I mean, because the cops shot him, right? Well, I mean, not all cops that shoot somebody go to trial. All right. Well, I guess that's true. Yeah, not not even no, dude. If it's if if there's not evidence that it was an unjustified shooting, you as a cop aren't going to trial for that. Now I'm hearing that employers are not allowed to look at your license until after you were hired. It uh, it shows your race and your age. I've had to show my well. Then honestly, then I've applied for a lot of jobs where people were breaking the law, and I didn't know that. I don't know if that's law or not, but if it is, I the law. Well, then the law was broken here when when I got it when when I was being interviewed here. 
And so, I mean, I, I've had to show my, I've had to show my driver's license while filling out applications a million times. I didn't get all those jobs. So now, look, I'm saying it could be the law, but then people are breaking it either a without knowing it or or not. I don't I don't know, but I I think that that happens more often than people may realize. Are, did you get an answer on that? No, no, okay. no. I'm just looking at, at looking at what IDs are appropriate for a CCW, and you can. There's a, a long list. What? So. But I'm guessing right. passport, state ID, driver's license. There's going to be a few. I, I understand not everybody's going to have a driver's license, and I know what somebody's going to say. You don't even need an ID to vote, but you need one for a CCW. And look, I believe that we should have to show some form of identification to vote, whether it be a driver's license or whatnot. I like being able to prove who you are before you vote. I like that. I don't nobody's ever been able to make the common sense argument to me on why that's not okay. I've heard the arguments. I've never heard anything that makes me go, yeah, that's why you're right. Now, there, it may be out there, but I haven't heard it yet. So, I uh, I don't have any problem with if you get pulled over telling the cop that you have a weapon on there. I Because, again, I'm just not one of those people that's ever going to look to do anything shady. Cop comes to your house knocking on doors, you know, whether it's for, hey, there's a suspect loose in the area, or, hey, we're knocking on doors talking about, you know, the police fundraiser. Cop knocks on your door. Do you have to tell the cop that you have a, a, a gun in your house? No. Where's, no. where's that difference? Well, I, I, because, A, it's my home. and it's private property in a car. Mm, yeah, but I have to wear the seatbelt, so not really. You know what I mean? I don't have to eat vegetables in my house. I have to wear the seatbelt. So it's not really private property. It's not really mine. The, you know, the law still tells me how I, ha- I have to. I, it's mine. It's private property, but I have to drive it at the limit you tell me to. Well, but there are laws there. But, but there's plenty of laws about being a homeowner, being a renter. I mean, it's not like, there's, it's, not like it's, it's, it's this you know, impenetrable fortress. I mean, there's plenty of laws when it comes no, to stuff No, yeah, like I mean, that. Dude, like we said yesterday, a guy got arrested being drunk in his front yard. Right. So, so I mean, that's going to happen. But no, I think that that's different. Now, if a cop comes into my home, I would tell them there was a gun in my house but although that though if because i'll tell you the difference you bring up a great point you're not exactly wrong but i think the difference there is like and correct me if i'm wrong but if a cop comes in my window in my car and i say hey just so you know there's a gun in here right right that to me sounds like i'm alerting him for his safety right where if he knocks on my door and he's bothering me about an asbestos leak at my neighbor's house and i say to him just so you know there's a gun in here that kind of sounds like I'm saying, dude, I'm a gun owner. Get off my porch. I mean, uh, that's the way it comes off to me. Whatever you intend to, to say with that, you're still, uh, you know, alerting an officer of the law that there is a weapon on the property. I, I mean, I feel like if you're okay with the car, I feel like I, what difference is the house? So I'm hearing now also from Twitter, or you could just not have to carry guns or what I like to call small penis compensatory. Come on, dude. That's, that's not that's silly. That's, that's silly. That's, that's silly. It, uh, do guns, honestly, in some parts of the country are time-honored tradition passed down from family member to family member. It, it's kind of one of these things. It's not necessarily here. Well, and it, but it happens. Whether your grandpa loved guns or you just want to protect yourself, that, that's. I mean, I, I'm as I, I am. I, I I pride myself on being left. I pride myself on on being a liberal. As being yeah, a but you make sense on this but issue. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you small penis syndrome because you want to have a gun because you want to be able to protect yourself. That's that's ridiculous. Now again, people are saying, dude, my license idea isn't any good because the CCW is already on your license once the officer runs your plate. But at this point, your responsibility to inform them. So. Yeah, I, I, so my, my, my license idea isn't any good. Notice that? Notice how I can like propose an idea, I can hear mm. common sense on the yeah. other side of it, and I don't have to dig my heels in and tell you how you're wrong, and I'm right? See, again, that's how this works. 
See, if everybody could do that, we could get ourselves to sensible laws that everybody could live with. That's how that would work. We have see their tickets. Let's pass those out. July 19th, House of Blues is when they play. We'll take caller 20, 1-800-243-7625. 1-800-243-7625. To. The moment I see a guy that's not good looking with a really beautiful woman, I go, huge penis, got a ton of money, or has a, like an important job. Like one of the, It's like that's what I go to. It could not be that he's a decent person right. and she finds him to be endearing. It's right. like, no, it's all, these, uh, it's all this other superficial crap. It's because my penis. This isn't big enough. That's why. That's what it is. God, I knew it. I knew it. I hate you, Dad. I do kind of hate him. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Your mother's still in town. Don't say anything ill. Oh, yeah, and he's not yeah. with us he's anymore. He's not with us anymore. That's R. not R. nice. P. That's not nice. All right, penis there. But I, so I don't understand the examination here. Um, well, I, I think at least a big part of this equation is, too, is that as people age, as you get older, yeah, guys do, I would say, age better, but women have more ways to fight the the, the turning of the tide there. It's all, Well, it's more socially acceptable for you to do it. And I mean, like, just like the concepts of, like, makeup and fashion and, and all those different things where a woman Wigs can hide. Wigs and tight-fitting stuff. Right. And- a woman can, I don't want to say hide her ugliness or anything like that, but where a woman can hide some of her shortcomings. There's not a lot left for dudes to do, so it's like, yeah, I, you know, I, this is what I look like. I am who I am. This is what I woke up looking like. Where women can, you know, obviously change a lot when it comes to their looks. Now, a social psychologist, Sarah Hill, says society believes that attractive women can be choosier. Sure. And it says they have access to a larger pool of viable candidates. As a result, these women, on average, end up with partners that have qualities that most women tend to prioritize as important. Says the subconscious thought pattern, she chose him, so he's probably financially stable. They're going into what my thing is, is not always the truth. Now, you hear this a lot from women. How come every time I turn on the TV, I see a beautiful knockout with some overweight fat dude in a sitcom? George Costanza, Kevin James. I mean, dude, there's a million examples. Goes all the way back to Fred Flintstone. Sure. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, sure. That's Peter the Griffin, first one I've ever heard sure. was, was Fred Flintstone. Sure. And here's what I'm going to tell you. You know what you're seeing there, ladies? That's a reflection of the lie that you've been telling society since the beginning of time. I just want a guy with a good sense of humor. I just want a nice guy. Well, that's what those guys look like. They look like Kevin James. So... Again, what do I always say? You can have it one way, ladies, or the other, but you can't have it both. You can't sell us the lie, and then when CBS puts the TV show out that fits into the narrative of the lie that you've built, get mad about the lie. Because that's your lie that you molded being sent back out through the TV. But you did that. We didn't do that. I think most people at the end of the day are average looking. I mean, by definition of the word, that's 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 going to be the case. And I would th- have to be. Sure. I, I think you know. And this isn't. I'm not talking strictly on looks. I'm talking if you rate yourself honestly as a person, and you rate the other people around you honestly as, as a person. No matter where you are on that one through ten scale, I feel like you're going to date somebody either. Two above you or two below you are somewhere in between there. There's about a four, a four, you know, if you're a six, you're dating anywhere from fours to eights. If you're an eight, you're dating anywhere from sixes to tens. And like I like I said, I'm not just saying that strictly on a house. Dude, if you you're look. a four and you landed an eight, you won the lottery. Well, but as a guy, <laughs> you know, I mean that I, I, I think that happens. Not obviously not as as, as normal as a four and a five together, right. but like that does happen. And it's just you kind of have to know where you are on that scale and where other, you know, where other people kind of are on that scale. 
scale. And I, I, as long as you're kind of in the same general vicinity, it can work out. This used to happen to me all the time. I've dated plenty of good-looking women, but I dated one girl who is like legitimately a 10 on everyone's list. Like Everybody sees her and goes, oh, yeah, dude, like that girl's really hot. And everywhere we went, people would stare at me like I was a circus freak, and I could see it on their faces. How in the hell did he do that? And she would say, and actually she's dating a very average looking guy now. After we broke up, she ended up seeing, she's still dating him. She's dating a very average looking guy now. And what she'll tell you is, is that if, and she's very conceited and doesn't realize it when she's speaking, but she would say a lot that if she held out for a guy who was on par with her, she'd be single forever. And it's, 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 it's kind of true. It's like, dude, like, like guys just aren't on average at, I think there are more better looking women than there are good looking guys. Well, and I think that goes back to that women can do stuff about you how can they doctor look. it so right. much. You're like, dude, Men lipstick can't. ain't fixing me. Men you know can't. I mean? Right. So, yeah. so I, I think that's always going to be a part of it. Yeah. I, um, I, I think this is an area where men do kind of benefit. I think, I think on average women are better looking and yes, they can doctor it up a little bit and you can, you're equipped with all the tools for seduction and men are not, and so men get a little luckier here. But again, I always hear women bitch about that. Kevin James and every TV wife he has is hot. Right, because in every bar, you're crying into your martini going, why can't I just find a nice guy who can make me laugh? That's not what you want. You want an 800 credit score, you want an American Express card, and you want to be able to lay around on your ass all day with nothing to do. And we all know it, and now you're busted. It turns out, Fantone, nobody in America has enough money. Nobody is making enough money. We'll examine the average U.S. income next on Rock 106. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sansbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're online, WRQK.com. Keep that website in mind because at 10 a.m., that's where you grab Shinedown tickets. We're doing an internet presale today. They officially go on sale tomorrow. WRQK.com will have them early. That show, July 17th. Canton Palace Theater as Rock 106.9 brings you Shinedown. Some people call him Shine Dizzle, but you know, whatever. I wish you would have been there for that. So do I, dude. All right, just real quick. So do I. Just real quick. So I worked at a previous radio station. We had hired a new program director who I'm still friends with, and I love this man. But he had kind of like taken the stage and was like, hey, I'm new at you know this radio station. We're not going to suck anymore. And truthfully, he, through my and two other guys' help, we did change that radio station into a great deal, and we did make it a lot better. And But he was on the stage, and then he was like, help me bring to the stage shine dizzle and dude if honestly to this day i can still see the look on maxwell's face i can still see it and he was just so embarrassed and he was like dude i gotta go on the air tomorrow and like champion this idiot's it was so funny man but shine now will be inside uh in town july 17th internet pre-sale starts 10 a.m wrqk.com um, before we get into whatever else we're going to get into, I just want to make a quick note. Oh, no. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers back on top of the Eastern Conference. Everybody First place. Chill out. So they were they, they had like dipped down to second, and then now they're back up at, at one. Now, they're right? back at number one, dude. They're back in the first place in the Eastern Conference. Everybody just needs to relax. Now, the seeding is important because when the playoffs start, let me see if I have this right. One plays eight, right? Correct. correct. And then two would have played four? Yeah, uh, no, two plays seven, three okay, plays right, six, right. four plays five. So I had it wrong there. Okay, so 
What's so you want to be first because the A team probably not as good. And- a team not as good. Then you're going to face a lesser team coming out of that. You know, a lower seeded team coming out of that next round, and you're going to have home field advantage throughout the entire thing. Now it's important, and there's no question that I want the Cavaliers to be on top of the Eastern Conference as they go into the playoffs. But when people lost their mind the other night, oh, they lost. It's over. It's all over. They're be- they're in second place in the Eastern Conference Finals. Chill the f out. Cavs are going to be fine. Well, good. This makes me happy because what I had said was is that I kept hearing the system or the, the theory that the system was going to be ah once the playoff starts LeBron will flick the switch and we'll kick it into high gear. Now professionals at their jobs can do that. Yeah. Should right? be able to. Athletes I know can do that. Fantone and I can kind of do that when it's like all right dude you need to bear down you need to get this together we can kind of flick the switch and kind of move it into another gear. You never know listening today but we can't Well do we kind of had to do it today. <laughs> now the first hour was a mess. I just started I'll be honest with you it was totally my fault. My day just started poorly and it affected the system. But then we you know we got together bared down now sure enough we're back on track. So I know that that can happen. But I wanted to see it. I kind of was like, well, show it to me before the playoffs start. And it looks like now maybe they are. Well, I guess the thing I'll say about that is it wasn't via a Cavaliers victory. It was via a Celtics loss that things switched Oh, up. well then. But nonetheless, dude, people need to relax. Keep things in perspective that this is the only championship caliber team that we've had, our championship winning team that we've had in the past 55 years. So uh, give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Cavs are going to be fine. Super Bowl. There you go. Super Bowl, baby. I have um this... We're going to talk about median income for the country. Okay. And if I'm going to be honest about this, whenever we talk incomes and how much money people make, it makes me really nervous because people have a wild misconception about what guys like Fantone and I make. And I almost wish I could tell you how much money I make. A, so you'd go, oh God, dude, you're not as much of a snob as I thought you were. You don't have enough money to be a snob. And... I think sometimes my views as to how much money you should have to be able to do certain things, you don't understand that I'm saying I shouldn't do this stuff either because I don't make that kind of money either. Wait, Stansberry projects problems that he's having with himself onto the audience? I did not did not know that. Damn right. Did not know that. You shall pay the punishment for me living wrong. Um, I, 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 it is, it's a, it's a topic, thing. it's a topic once you start getting into it, obviously that concept of like, well, you don't talk about how much money you make exists for everybody. And there's that, I don't want to say an embarrassment or a, a humility that comes along with that. But I think everybody on one end or the other, either a, you're embarrassed or B, you try, you should maybe try to be humble and like not brag about how much yeah, money you make because you can make people feel bad about themselves. You know what I mean? Sure. And not by, not by choosing to, it's just sometimes that happens. But it turns out that the median salary for U.S. employees is up 2.9% from February of last year, 2016. Okay. That's good to see, dude. Income in our our, our growth in income for workers is always to be celebrated, dude. At this point, when when things are so out of whack, the fact that we made a 2% increase is that, that, that alone is like, all right, well, at least it didn't go down. So when I tell you what the median salary for U.S. employees is, I think it might put it in perspective as to why I'm not necessarily for a $15 an hour minimum wage. The median, now salary, that means right. dude, you're making, that's not a job. And again, normally you get a salary when you're doing a career, right? I've always heard the theory that job, J-O-B, stands for just over broke. And that career will kind of move you into something else. That's the system I was raised in. 
right? My dad used to say to me, Dan, jobs put you at just over broke. Find a career. You'll probably make more money. Uh, it probably, but like... Not a guarantee. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, as you get into these numbers here, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll see there. Because the median salary for a U.S. employee is $51,272. That's up 2.9% from February of last year. February okay. of last year. Okay. Right? 51000 That's not a lot of money. Like... I know a lot of you listening right now are single dads, single moms. Sure. At $51,000 being a single parent, I don't know how you do it. I have no idea how you would pay for kids on that. That At that point, you might as well be David Copperfield because that's expensive. Dude, how many, how many people listening right now are in that situation, single mom, single dad, even or as, and a, as a couple? And don't make that. And don't make that. I don't know how you're doing it. Don't make that as a household, let alone as an individual. Don't make that as a household. Listen to this. In bigger cities, it actually raised a little bit more. It went up actually 4%, and that's going Makes to be sense. the way. Yeah, cost of living in, 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 uh, in higher places. This is crazy. The median income in Los Angeles, which is definitely one of the most expensive cities I've ever lived in, the median income there is $59,068. In LA, that's broke. Yeah, Canton, that sounds like, all right, I can make a life out of that, but we're talking about a, a significant cost of Dude, difference, or cost of living difference. 60 grand per one person in Canton, Ohio, honestly, is Canton right. rich. Yeah, you're doing all right. That's dude. Canton rich. Yeah, you're doing all right. $59,000 in Los Angeles. Honestly, you're going to have to spend a lot of your time going to work, making that 60 grand, and then on the weekend, you're going to have to put a cup in your hand and stand out in front of a business collecting change. In LA, $60,000 is flat broke. Flat broke. That sounds crazy, but it is. Your rent's higher. Your gas is higher. Registering your car there is $3,000 to get tagged. Three grand is what it costs me to title a car in California. It's crazy. Like the, The cost of living there is through the roof. It's just because there's so many people. Now, apparently in Chicago, the median income is $56,277. Now, that's, again, low for Chicago. Third highest populated city in America. Very expensive to live in. New York incomes increased 2.8%, and they're at like 60346 Again, and if a radio station, let's say, let's say a radio station in New York City called me today and said, hey, we want you. Okay, now that's market number one. So there are guys who view market size as like the be-all, end-all for what they do. I don't care about market size at all. I never have, never will. I don't care. I don't have a desire to live in L.A. or New York and do this. I don't really judge my business success on market size. I view it another way. I've remained viable in an area for 15-plus years. That, to me, proves that I'm pretty good at this. Okay, but if a radio station called me from New York and said, hey, we want you to come do mornings here and the base salary is 60 grand, I would hang up the phone because I wouldn't be able to do it. You'd have to. I wouldn't be able to do it. I honestly, that would, I would have to start at 1.30 before I would think about taking a job in New York City. Yeah, I mean, you just... Uh, I would have to start at 1.30. One of my cousins is doing an internship in New York right now, New York City, and she doesn't really? even, she doesn't even, I mean, she lives in like Brooklyn, but she doesn't live in like a nice part of Brooklyn or anything like that. Not like she lives in Manhattan or anything, and she's paying $2,000 in rent alone, living in a one-bedroom apartment with I another girl. Say, and it's tiny, right? Right, it's a one-bedroom apartment, and they're each paying $2,000, and it's, I mean, dude, that's, that's, that's ludicrous. We're seeing some jobs getting a pay, a, a pay raise. They say if you work in a warehouse, you're going to get a little bit more money this year. So we'll give you um, some pay increases per jobs. All right. A warehouse associate pay increase, annual pay was around 7.5. They make around $41,000 a year. 
A recruiter sits right around about $52,000 a year. A restaurant cook. Now, I'm going to bring this up because I know a lot of you listening probably cook in restaurants. Not all of you, but some of you. A restaurant cook, your pay increase went up about 5.7%, and you make $28,846. Now, you want to talk about, Fantone always talks about how you're never going to get clean food in a restaurant. That's part of the reason why. For sure. That's part of the reason why. If you want cheap things, you give up something for that. Right? Much like your Cavaliers, right? He wanted more shooters, and people are now saying part of what you give up is defense and physical size and intimidating. You gave up that for more shooters. So you got to figure out how to play with the new things. And I would say that most restaurant cooks should probably make more money than that. I don't know about everybody, but I, I, I think most. Uh, but why I'm not for a $15 hour minimum wage across the board, these are careers and people are making 50 grand. If I pay everybody $15 an hour, you're approaching $50,000 a year. And at that point, um, I'm fine, fine. If you want a $15 hour minimum wage, that's fine. But then we need to double the salary of everybody else. Right, and I think a lot of people lose perspective of that sometimes when you make the argument of $15 an hour minimum wage. Well, why should fast food workers make more than EMTs? Well, EMTs would get a raise too. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, EMTs would be making more money because the minimum wage would go up to $15 an hour. Even if that's only up to $15 an hour for that EMT, they're still getting a raise out of that. Um, The number is arbitrary, I feel like, at this point. I think the point of, dude, people need to make more money. And, and, And when I say people, I mean, people on the lower end of the ladder need to make more money because that's how you stimulate the economy. If you want more jobs, you need to have people demanding more products and to have people want more products, they got to have more money. And like, I, I don't know if 15 is the right number. I don't know if 20 is the right number. I don't know if 10 is the right number, but somewhere along the line, there needs to be a, a change in the income inequality in America. I will raise the floor, but then we need to raise the ceiling. If your money's going to go up, then so did, then mine has to too. Otherwise, what's the point of reaching higher? I think, I think, I think with that, it's not going to be an overnight thing. It's like day one. Well, Incremental. If, 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 if they move, if they move the minimum wage to you know fifteen dollars an hour, March thirtieth. It's not like tomorrow, March thirty first. All of a sudden, everyone's job's going to increase value. But over time, as people have more buying power, as people are able to spend more money into the economy, whatever you're producing, whether that's you know widgets or or radio commercials, people are going to want more of it because they have more money to give you. So, like I said, I don't know if fifteen is the right number, but any time that 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 income inequality is is favoring the people, I, I'm going to support it. It says here, Fantone, listen to this. You'll laugh at this. A producer makes $48,274. <laughs> producer of what? What are you producing? Right. Not a radio show. Not at this company. Not a radio show. Not at this company. I will say this. Again, I like I said to start this whole thing out, I wish it would be all right for me just to kind of be open about what my salary is. But honestly, it depresses me when I think about it. But the median salary for U.S. employees is $51,272. I will admit this to you, that with both my jobs, both, it takes both my jobs and commercial reading, I'm above that. But it takes both my jobs. And you got to remember, I work the Agora a lot. As a matter of fact, I'm working there six times in April. Six times at my second job. So I'm all for raising the floor, but we need to raise the ceiling along with it. We'll be right back with more Sansbury Show. Hang on. Six nine. Welcome back to the Sansbury Show on Rock 106.9. Before the break, we were talking about um, 
the median income for uh, a U.S. worker. And um, some listeners have run the math, and it turns out $15 an hour averages out to about $32,000 a year gross. And I said approaching. I didn't say it turned into 50. I just said, you know, if you make it $15 an hour, you're starting to approach 50. And I'm not sure if that's what I'm not sure that's the best case scenario for everybody. I also think that there are jobs that are currently minimum wage jobs that shouldn't be. All right. Like a guy here who listens to us every day and he makes sense sometimes and he's made some sense here. He says, you know, you can get a job building cabinets or making carbide cutting tools or standing in front of a 350 degree compression fiberglass molding machine, press making fireman helmets. I don't think those jobs should be minimum wage jobs. I think there needs to be multiple tiers here. I think we're going to see a revolution in how the U.S. worker gets paid. I also think that more businesses are going to start to adapt the model that this company did, which is instead of paying you more money, they are going to give you more time away from the office as quality of they're going to look to increase your quality of life. And then, honestly, you may not worry about money as much. Now, you can make the argument that if you send me home with and I don't have to work, I'm just I'm going to want to do things on the time off and I'm not going to have the money to do it. But you're looking at that from a perspective of us making more than minimum wage, where right. if you're a minimum wage worker, right. sending you home with, with, with no dollars ain't going to help. It's know. not going to help you. No, honestly, in our situation, it, I understand why the company thought it was like the right thing to do. Right. It's still like not great thing to do, but I understood why they went that if way. If you were making seven eighty five an hour and you couldn't put food on the table, that's when it would be like, well, and <laughs> give I me wanna, all the time off in the world. I want to cut my boss off at the pass before he writes me an email and bitches about me pulling the curtain back and kind of like showing people that. And Phantom will tell you this. Part of the reason why I keep bringing that up about them compensating us that way is because when we're not here in the middle of the week and it's not like a scheduled vacation, I'm going to get called fat and lazy and bring your ass to work and all this stuff. And I'm the guy. I would do three shows a day if they'd let me. I'm that guy. I, and so, like, it makes me crazy to think that I may be taking more time away from the studio and have people walking around going, dude, you can't even drag your ass in there to do that. A lot of people call him the LeBron James radio. Oh, what see what That's I'm saying? What see what I'm saying? That's I don't want that. Him. I don't want that. And so it makes me nervous. And so that's the only reason. I'm not looking to like put the company in the crosshairs or anything. I'm just getting it out there so people know that that's not a decision that I had made. Call me the LeBron James of radio. It's not true, but you can go ahead and do it. You can do it. Uh, it was announced uh, the other day that I think the, you know, the, the Raiders moving to Vegas got like something like a 31-3 to 3 vote or whatever. Like The owners were like, hell yes. Yeah, I mean, as an NFL owner, I think you probably have a lot of sympathy for other owners. In the sense of, it's your team, do what you want with it, because when I want to do what I want with my team, then you you need to support me in that. Now, they're really not your teams. Really, at the end of the day, they belong to the NFL. You're listed as an owner, but really what you are is an operator. Because like, yeah. you can't just do crazy things to your uniforms or any of this yeah. stuff. It's not really yours. You operate it for the NFL. It's like being a, a homeowner in a homeowner's association yes. where, yes, you own it. It's your thing. But, but let that light go out in your right. front yard. You're going to get a notice in the mailbox, right? Right. And so I'm going to be called a hypocrite here because yeah. if the Browns were to move out of Cleveland, I would bitch and moan. But I have no problem with the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I have technically a home in Las Vegas where my family lives where I will go and visit. And so I, an NFL team in Vegas is awesome for me. 
because I will go to home games in Las Vegas. For sure I will. I will use this as an excuse to go see my mother more. And I think Vegas is primed and ready for professional sports. I think the gambling argument is crazy. 40 years ago, it made sense. Yes. 40 years ago, when you could only gamble in Vegas, sure, sure, that made sense. I understood that. 20% of what the is what is wagered on the NFL is done legally through Vegas. 20. The other 80% is all done with bookies. So, Vegas isn't your problem. No. Vegas isn't your problem. No. And I think it's a destination city. It's an entertainment-based city. And that's what the, the, the NFL is not sports anymore. It's entertainment. It's, and it's, it's asinine to think that somehow or another, Vegas would be, it would be easier for Vegas to influence games when they're in their own city. Because, dude, if Vegas wants, if, 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 if people with that much money and that much power want to influence a game in Green Bay, they're going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make it easier just because it's, it's, it's in the backyard. It's not like we live in, an, you know, when you're that powerful, when you're a billionaire, you can do things from wherever the hell you want to. You know, I've heard this on TV, too. You know, it's a dangerous place to send young players. Dude, Johnny Manziel got in trouble in Cleveland. Right, Miami's any different? Yeah, I mean, Antonio Brown gets in, in trouble in Pittsburgh. And, like, you know what I mean? It's like some of the – dude, if, if you're a bad seed, you're going to find trouble in Green Bay. Right. You have a bad seed with millions of dollars. I don't care where you are. You're going to find – you're going right. to tru- you're gonna find trouble in Green, Ohio. Right. Like, it's not – Now, you take a guy like you or I on the kind of money we have and you put us in a, in, in a city like that, you, you can find more trouble than you can in Canton, Ohio. That I get. But once you start paying a dude millions of dollars, the trouble's the trouble. You can order the trouble to your front door. I guess the thing that kind of makes me scratch my head with this Vegas move is they have two more seasons in Oakland, right? Yeah, but I don't think that's going to happen. From what I was hearing yesterday, I guess Oakland officials say the the Raiders have zero interest in playing 2019 there. I think you're going to see them there one more year, and then they're going to go. Even one year, dude. I mean, that dude, that is dead D right there. That is... is I hear people Who's going to those games. People are worried about Vegas not being able to fill the stadium. That's crazy. I've known this has been happening for a long, long time. I said earlier when, like, when the when the CEO of like that that uh, the one casino company said, "Hey, I'm taking Sheldon Allison said I'm taking my money," and I said, "I was like, guys, Vegas, the Raiders to Vegas is going to happen." My brother's been solicited to buy season tickets forever and a day ago. This is going to happen, and I think Vegas will sell that stadium out consistently a the Raiders brand just kind of lends itself to Vegas outlaw kind of do what you want kind of be that way they got cool colors they got the best color scheme the best logo in all of football and they have a young stud quarterback in Derek Carr honestly had that Derek Carr not gonna hurt that may have been your AFC team in the Super Bowl may have been and California's close and it's not a problem to get people to go to Vegas. And for the first two years you're in town, Vegas is going to go just because you're there. Just because it's new and you'll go for two years. And so then you got Derek Carr, you're going to win a bunch of games, and then people are going to want to go because you're good. Vegas opening up their arms, and they're actually going to create a, a entire Raiders-themed brothel. Jeez. I like it. A Raiders-themed brothel that will invite players in for some one-on-one time with cheerleader-garbed working girls. So you'll get to essentially work out your fantasy of banging a Raiderette. Vegas. They just do it right, man. They just know how to get that money out of your pocket and in theirs. I think the Raiders to Vegas, honestly, like I said, hypocritical because if the Browns left again, I'd be furious. How can you do that? 
But I'm totally fine with the Raiders going to Vegas because, well, again, I'm going to get to go to games. I've been saying something on the air since we started this show just over three years ago. And people thought I was crazy. Oh, Stansbury, you think you know everything. You just think you're so smart. Well, now I have proof that I was right, and I'll pass it on to you next on Rock 106.9. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're online at WRQK.com, where the internet presale for Shinedown tickets will start 10 a.m. this morning. Now, this is where this will get just a little bit confusing, so let me like walk you through this. At 9.30, the information will be there. Right, because we want to get it out there. We don't. What we don't want to do is make the link active at like ten oh one and be like, "You guys said ten. Do so nine thirty. The information will will come up at wrqk.com. You won't actually be able to buy tickets until ten a.m. That's a you know ticket company thing, not us thing. Is you know that they decide when tickets are allowed to be on sale. But 9.30 is when that information will start to be available for you, WRQK.com. You'll be able to buy tickets at 10 a.m. as Shinedown playing the Canton Palace Theater, July 17th. Rock 106.9 bringing that for you. And tickets go on sale tomorrow morning, doing an internet pre-sale today, 10 a.m., WRQK.com. Also, we'll be at the station Facebook page as well. Now, that's important information there because concerts are what we are about to talk about right now. Okay? Because I've been making this claim forever, really. But I've really been making it while being on this program the last few years here at Rock 106.9. Some of you know that I still work at a concert venue, the Agora, and I believe heavily in live music. Um, and I think people need to go to more shows. I, I, I think it's good for you. I, I think you would, um, you'd probably enjoy it. And there's something about playing with your inner child at a concert that Jeez. I think... No. Okay. All right. Jeez. Just be careful with the sentences there. Just be careful. Playing with your inner okay. child. Okay. All right. Not playing with somebody else's right. child. Okay. Right. That I think is healthy for you. Okay. And so sure enough, a new study has come out and researchers have found that people who habitually attend musical engagements, concerts, are reported to have a higher level of subjective well-being. They say people who participate in communal musical experiences, whether it's a live concert or a communal dance gathering even, have elevated levels of overall satisfaction in life. Ultimately, the common thread is to engage with music in the company of others. And I totally, totally agree. There's something that happens when you age in America. That A, you just have more responsibility, so you're not able to do as much stuff. B, most of your expendable income now is spent on your kids, and rightfully so. Raise your children, for Christ's sake. Okay? So I understand that. But there's also this thing where you kind of become curmudgeon and you don't really feel like, well, I don't know if that's the place for me, and I don't know if I should do this. And you kind of like take this thing that you loved your entire life and kind of throw it to the side. Well, what was once cool is what you were, and now what is cool is what you aren't. So I can understand why some people have a little bit of an inversion towards like going to stuff like this, because concerts and things like that, it, it is a young man's game. I can remember, I think, what, what summer tour was it that I went to? I was like a warp tour or something like that. And I'm standing there drinking a beer... And I look around, I'm like, dude, none of you can buy beer. Like, none of you can. And I mean, this was, you know, five years ago where I was still somewhat relatively young. I can only assume five years from now, you know, 10 years from now, I'm in my 40s. I'm not going to want to go stand around with a bunch of 19-year-olds listening to crap music. Okay, well, then maybe don't go to that show, like Saturday, okay? 
I'm going to a concert up at the queue on mm-hmm. Saturday. That's not going to be a bunch of 19-year-olds. I'm going to the Boo Dog Coronation Ball. The Moon Dog. Go to the Boo Dog. Tommy James, the Shondells. And I think it's like Three Dog Night. Three I don't Dog even, Night. I actually don't know everybody that's playing. One of the salespeople here said, hey, one of the clients is going to Moon Dog with me and kind of asked if you'd be willing to go. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Let's go to Moon Dog. And I used to go to that all the time when I worked up there. And so, I mean, that show will not be a bunch of 19-year-olds. And classic rock bands tour all time. And now this has been a few years now, but I went and saw Fleetwood Mac at the queue. Yeah, that was like 07, so it's been a little while. But like that show wasn't filled with 20-year-old people. And sure enough, I sat there that night and I watched older people, older than me, have fun. And sometimes when I go to shows, that's what I do. I watch people. I'm like, dude, you haven't been out of the house in like two years. You're having like the best night of your life. And actually, the owner of the Agora always says this to us as a staff. And he does a good job of reminding us of this. Chris is actually a phenomenal bar owner. And he says all the time that be careful of your attitude when standing behind the bar because you guys go to 300 shows a year. This person who came to this show is probably going to two shows a year. If, if, if that. Yeah. If that. And it also cost them a ton of money. They probably bought two tickets. They yep. probably went to dinner before they're here. Yep. And now drinks aren't going to be cheap. Yep. So it's about their experience. I get that you're tired and pissed off, but that's not part of this. Y- you guys, in your situation there, is like, yeah, you work as a bartender, but you don't really work at a bar. You no. know what I'm saying? Like, It's a different venue. It's, it's a different. Burn, right? it, 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 it's a different thing there so you guys do have a special set of circumstances of where like yeah you do have to deliver a little bit more experience much like a, a, a bartender Tanya. much like a bartender at a strip club like you have to deliver a little bit more experience Agreed. because this is a special destination it's not just a bar i think going to more live music helps it's that it rings that tuning fork in your in your in the Lloyds. It does. It kind of does that, and it help, and it will keep you what everybody kind of wants, which is young. Now your age is going to be your age, yeah. but your mentality, I think it'll help keep you young. And there's like music can be a release, of course. Like when you're in a bad mood, if you listen to something really aggressive, it's almost like working out. Like you can feel it coming out of you. Who was it? Was it Apple or? And it may have actually been the other company, but somebody did a music commercial. I think it was a streaming service that wasn't ours. Okay, where they had people put on their headphones yeah. and listen to music in the commercial, and oh, like the one dude starts crying, crying and the one, you know, other person's like raging out. And music will make you do that. Now live, there's something that happens when you listen to live music when you're standing there. You can't help but sway back and forth. Maybe there's a mosh pit going on depending on the kind of music, and there's aggression in the thing, and it's a release. I, I you know, I, I agree with you. I um, and I, I think the point of, of what they made is the communal aspect of it is when you're doing it with people, and whether it's live, local, or live, or, or recorded, or whatever it is, there's something about that tribe. There's something about that, like, we're all, Mob mentality. We're, we're all here together, right. and that's whether you're a parrot head, a juggalo, whatever you are, like, whatever group you're in there. A parallel. <laughs> it might be a little column A, a little column B right there. Parallels. Um, but you, you do, you have that sense of... There's a greater force behind me. I'm a part of, of you know, not, not to make a joke, but a little brick in the wall action right there. You're another one of them, dude. There's some, I love working at the Agora because there's nothing like when, when you're setting the bar up and then you look to the right and there's the front door 
and there's nobody standing there, and then 10 minutes later you can start to see the line starting to wrap around the block, and you know, in 20 minutes we're going to unlock that door, we're going to open it up, and it's going to fill, and then the temperature in the building will rise, and you'll start to hear a, like a guitar be strummed, you know, making sure everything's in tune, and then you know, you're know you just you know bent over the, 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 the beer cave, just pulling beers out of there, just cracking tops, putting things out in the bar, and then next thing you know, you just watch the lights go down, and the curtain pulls open, and then the band starts starts and everybody just erupts and every time I see it I see it 10 times a month when I go there and every time I see it it's awesome every single time I'm very lucky I get to see a lot of live music very late into my life. And I'll be honest, I don't think if I didn't work at a venue, I probably wouldn't go to as many shows as I do. There's no, I, not as many. There's no way. If you didn't work in the venue, work at a radio, radio station. I you, would have seen you know. a quarter of the concerts I've seen. I've literally seen every band on the planet. But And, and I, I will admit that, that I would have seen a quarter of shows. But again, I think that that's why I'm stressing this to you, is because I realized that, that I wouldn't have done this as often, and I believe that live music helps keep you in tune with being a little bit younger, which I think will take the edge off of you and you might be happier. So I believe in this research 100% because, well, it pretty much verifies everything I've been saying for a decade plus. Go to more shows. And actually, you'll have an opportunity to do that because like I said, Shinedown coming July 17th. Can Palace Theater will do the pre-sale at 10 a.m. today at WRQK.com. And also, we're going to talk to Mike about this, I believe, next week. But there's a music festival coming to Busbin. Yeah. That's like, what, two days long? It's yeah. called the Lots of Music Festival, I believe it is. And, dude, there's so many bands coming. I think Green Jelly's going to play Busbin. Indeed they are, dude. Which Green is Jelly a, uh, at Busbin. How awesome is that going to be? Hats off to Mike for making yeah. stuff happen, dude. Mike we, we, knows how to do it. We appreciate you doing things. So we'll talk to Mike from Busbin about that next week. Little Green Jelly. Go to more shows. It'll do you good. Actually, we'll help you with that. I'll help you practice what I preach by passing out Shinedown tickets next on Rock 106.9. A tale. A tale of three little pigs. You're still supporting the artist. And I mean, we're not talking about a boob falling out. We're talking, you and I both genuinely believe Michael Jackson banged kids. You can say, oh, he was never convicted of it, dude. But we agree there that he did it. There's plenty, plenty of cases in America where, where the guilty were found innocent and vice versa. So don't don't throw the, oh, he wasn't found guilty. This is what I love about people, right? In the last couple of years, the judicial system screwed up. Right. But when it's right. protecting somebody that you want to defend because you like their music catalog, all of a sudden the judicial system's just fine. Love it. Yeah, because honestly, Fantone, you're making sense, and I hate it when you do yeah. it, but you're making some sense because I don't listen to that because I like Alien Ant Farm. I listen to it because it's a cool version of a song I like. Right. Which, you know, that's 9.30. She might still be sleeping. So I have a I have a story about Alien Ant Farm. Okay. Who's still sleeping at 9.30? What, what, do wake up. Wake up. Be an adult. Bartender. Okay. Well, so alien ant farm story. Right, I have right, a I have a it. personal alien ant farm. I have story. one too. So we'll we'll compare. Do you? We'll compare. You go first. Okay. Um, it was I don't know. It was when I was working at the Banana. So five, six, seven years ago at this point. Um, we were doing our big summer festival, uh, Dirt Fest, dude. Mm-hmm. Tens of thousands of people there. I'm going to say twenty, thirty thousand people there. It was a huge one. It was it was it was it was clutch was headlining. Oh, all these different dude. Build um, a time machine. I want to go. Falling in reverse was there. All these oh, different. Nice. All these different bands were there, and you know, obviously. It was our radio station event. So throughout, fast, the, right? throughout the day, we're doing stage announcements. And Alien Amp Farm, for some reason or another, was playing later at night. I don't know why, but they were on the main stage. 
Right, and I kind of made that face too. So when I what? go out there, so when I go out there, that's to, a parking lot band, right, dude? That's third <laughs> stage, like three o'clock in the afternoon. You play listen, the hot topic stage. Yeah, you play this. You listen yeah. to Smooth Criminal, and then you Absolutely. walk on, go and get a beer, go get a beer. But so, right. so they were one of like the later bands, and I was, I was, I was going to put them up on stage, and I'm standing there, and twenty thousand people in front of me, and I'm like. Flint, Michigan, you wanted the best, but they didn't happen come here. So here's what you're getting, Alien Anthem. Oh, my God. Let me guess. Record label got real mad. Not happy, dude. Not happy with me. But, dude, it's a little tongue-in-cheek. Like, making fun of doing an Alien Ant Farm. Whatever. Get over yourself. Wow. What did the program director say? Uh, He kind of laughed, but he was kind of like, dude, come on. You knew that was going to be an issue. And I'm like, yeah, but whatever. Yeah, it's that's the thing about this business. Is depending on who you work for, like one boss would love that. The second, I'll give you a perfect example. So a perfect circle okay. was playing Tower City Amphitheater, whatever okay. that. I, I don't know what that's called anymore, but sure. that's what Jacob's it was. Jacob's Pavilion, then. whatever, whatever it was, right down there by the water. Okay, and we that that radio station had a huge like projector. With you with discs that you could put in with different logos and stuff. Right. So we had our logo, and so we were putting the logo up inside the tent. Of the Tower City Amphitheater during the show. We had permission to do that. So my program director comes down and goes, turn that thing and shine it right in Maynard's face. Jeez. And I was like, what? I was like, dude, I was like, Maynard's going to, I was like, dude, he's crazy. He, yeah. He barely faces the crowd and he's totally a psycho and he's going to end this show in the middle. And this is how different this business can vary. That program director said to me, Stansberry, if you get Maynard to leave the stage early during this show, I'll give you a raise tomorrow. There you go. Today, you'd be walked out and fired for sure. Like, that's how far this business has come. We're stunting and, like, that kind of thing used to be what radio was expected to do. And now it's like, no, let's just make all these things look and sound exactly the same. Let's not ruffle any feathers, not do anything. Business has got to turn. I think we can play Kid Rock all summer long just the entire year. Dude, that's all we're going to do is every station, every song, every time, just all summer long. It's good. So Alien Ant Farm had played Ohio, and the lead singer, I don't know his name, no, because who would? <laughs> because why would you? <laughs> yeah, right. dude, if you know the lead singer of Alien Amp Farm, you need help. So, it's so who would? But he was introduced to a girl I know, Okay. A, uh, a bartender that I used to work with for a long time, who I just love. And he became infatuated with my friend. Uh. And you don't think about, like touring bands or celebrities doing the same kind of creepy things that regular dudes do? Well, let's just wipe our ass with the word celebrity. All right, Alien Amp Farm. There you go. You get that. All right. You're a celebrity, too. Sure you are. Okay. All right. Yes. I'll give you that. But people people think, yes, that, that you're in a touring band, you're famous, you you're You become rich. something different. Right. Like, right. you're above doing certain things. And he used to send her videos from the back of the tour bus. Like he would write her song. Like he wrote her a song. Her name's Cheryl, and he write, wrote her a, like a Cheryl song, and like would sing it. And like he would call her in the middle of the night and like ramble drunk and tell her, Cheryl, I miss you so much. I love you. We need to get this figured out. And she was like, she would tell me, she's like, Dan, I've never gone out with this guy. Right. Met him one time like, at, I, at the Agora or whatever. I, and, I was working right. a venue. He thought I was pretty, and we exchanged information. And she like he would like harass her. So long story short, to do this. But I got to see once from the back of the tour bus via video of her phone, the lead singer of Alien Ant Farm cranking on it. Jeez. And uh, 
in appreciation Jeez. of some uh, of some photos he had of her. I think they call that tribute in the in the industry. Is that right? Yeah, that's what I hear. That's what you hear. That's what I hear. It's interesting. Casey writes in says, "I like Smooth Criminal by them more than I like uh, Michael Jackson's version." Uh, I I can't say more because Michael's version was really good, but Alien Afrom did all right with that. So we're, we're uh, now you're the guy that threw away your Cosby like DVD collection because you're like, nope, I can't be associated with that. With so a rapist, like, no. That's fair. I can get down with yep. that. Yep. <laughs> if you rape people, I'm not going to support you. <laughs> that's that's fair. Um. So then you don't think Alien Ant Farm's version of Smooth Criminal is okay? Um, do I think it's okay? In the big picture, I don't care what people do, so do whatever you want. But as far as I go, when it comes to, am I listening to a Michael Jackson song? No, dude, I'm not. I'm turning the radio station in protest because I believe he touched children. And if you do that, I don't care how good your music is, I'm not going to support you. See, that's why I won't take up that cause. And say, like, the radio stations need to not do this. I find it suspect that they still play them. But honestly, I, like a lot of people, aren't able to do it. Because every once in a while, on the way home, even though I, you know, having lived through child molestation, having been a victim of it, like, and it bothers me what he did. Every once in a while, dude, on the way home, Man in the Mirror comes on. And next thing you know, you're cranked all the way up to 40 and you're just, you know, belting out Man in the Mirror. Like, sometimes it happens. I'm not denying they're good songs. And Dirty Diana? How good was that? Uh, well, when you start factoring in how old was Diana? Well, probably how, wrong how, sex for Michael. Too. How young was that pretty young thing? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, pretty I, young I thing was weird. When, when I listen to Man in the Mirror, I imagine Michael Jackson trying to say to himself, stop molesting kids. This has to start with you. And that's what I think that song's about, is him telling himself, dude, stop doing this. Stop doing this. Wasn't able to. So, no, I'm not going to support that. Do you really believe that that's what Michael was doing? He was trying to work out his like yeah. issues with Man in the Mirror? Yeah, for sure. I for never sure thought I about that. But I, I guess, yeah, it would be part of it, right? I mean, where do people write songs from? Their experiences, who they are, well, what look, they've done. I mean, what do I do? I, that, that's what I do with the radio program, too. I, like, I, I try to work out my issues and my problems and like, my, my shortcomings and stuff. I think the dude knew what he was doing was wrong. Wasn't necessarily able to stop it. And I gotta make the change. Stop banging my coke and nah. <laughs> it's gonna feel real It is gonna feel real good. Sicko. Don't. Sicko. You just stop it right there. Sicko. I don't need you walking people to the doorstep of what feels good. As I, as I, Macaulay Culkin. This is what I'm always saying, though. This is why I, this is why I won't get up on my hill and be like, you can't ever play it because that's wrong. Because you know what? And at the end of the day, I don't have the energy to see it all the way through. I don't. And this is what I'm always telling you guys about. Dude, quit bitching about Facebook on stuff because you don't have. The dedication to see it all the way through. So just quit screaming about the hot thing of the day because you, you're you not going to care in a week. Can't stop screaming about it. I'm so angry. I'm so I'm pissed. I'm angry. Never stop screaming about things. Is that right? <laughs> Whatever. Dude. I don't care. <laughs> Internet pre-sale for Shinedown starts at 10 a.m. on WRQK.com. We'll get you in a little earlier than that as we'll pass out a pair of tickets to end the program next on Rock 106.9.